Trixie Belden and the Mysterious Code, Chapter One. No more Bob Whites. Trixie Belden rushed into the sleepy side junior senior high cafeteria. She pushed back her short sandy curls, threw her notebook on the table, and sank into a seat beside her two best friends, Honey Wheeler and Diana Lynch. What kept you so long? Honey asked. We're starved. Something terrible! Trixie gasped when she could get her breath. Come on, Trixie, tell us," her brother Mart said. "Don't be so dramatic." "I'm not being dramatic. Something awful is going to happen to the Bob Whites of the Glen, Mart. Please get Jem and Brian from the kitchen. I want all the club members together right now so I can tell it all." "Ah, Trixie, they can't leave their jobs at lunchtime. It's an emergency," Trixie insisted. All right, Mart said resignedly. I'm on my way. Mart, only eleven months older than his thirteen-year-old sister, did not always respond so quickly. Today, though, the tears in Trixie's blue eyes convinced him that this was serious. Can't you give us a hint? Diana asked. You sound as though we were all going to be stricken with some sort of awful plague. It's almost worse than that. Trixie sobbed. Oh, there they are! What is it, Honey's brother Jim asked? Trixie, you're crying. You never cry. Not really, Trixie said, drying her eyes. It's just this: this morning, Mister Stratton, the principal, stopped me in the corridor, and you're failing in math again, Mart said. Gleeps, if that's all it is. He asked me about the jacket I'm wearing. Trixie went on, scorning Mart's interruption. I happen to be the only one today wearing the BWG's jacket. He wanted to know what the BWG cross stitch on the back of the jacket stood for. Did you tell him it's a secret? Diana asked indignantly. The name isn't Di. I told him it stands for our club, the Bob Whites of the Glen. Then what did he ask? Mart had little sympathy for faculty interference of any kind. What the purpose behind the club is, Trixie said. Well, that is a secret, Honey said. I don't believe it is, Sis. Jim said to his sister. In fact, we don't have a secret club at all. It belongs just to us, certainly, but it isn't a secret. Calm down and get on with it, Trixie. Mart was impatient. You make such a big deal out of everything. I'm not doing it this time, and you'll see. I told Mister Stratton we were organized just like brothers and sisters, the six of us to help one another. I'll bet that set him back on his feet," said Mart. "Oh, Mart, listen," Honey insisted. "Go on, Trixie. There must be more." Yes, there is, and it's the worst part. I'll die dead if anything happens to the BWGs. It won't," said Jim confidently. Mister Stratton threatened it might. Trixie insisted. After I told him the purpose of the club, he said, "I don't think that purpose is enough to justify such an organization in the eyes of the members of the school board." Is that awful enough for you, Mart? Gleeps, yes," Mart said. Out of a clear sky, too. Hardly. They all looked at Trixie's brother Brian. He was the eldest club member, sixteen and serious-minded. They paid attention to what he said for sure. You know, the whole school's been talking about the vandalism that's been going on. He said, "Maybe that's what has stirred up the board." 
You know, worry about gangs forming in Sleepyside. Trixie jumped to her feet and snapped her fingers. You're right, Brian, she said. That's what Tad Webster meant. Now you're being mysterious again, Brian said. What does Spider Webster's brother Tad have to do with this situation? There isn't a better policeman in all Sleepyside than Spider, he added. Or a better friend to the Bob Whites of the Glen. That's true, Trixie agreed. But he surely picked a goon for a younger brother. He saw me talking to Mr. Stratton and asked me what he had been saying to me. You didn't tell him, did you? Diana asked. She didn't like Tad either. Of course I didn't. He told me instead. Mr. Stratton had been questioning him, also because Tad's president of the Hawks. Tad had the nerve to say that he thought the Hawks had a lot more reason for existence than the BWGs. Mr. Stratton said that? Honey asked, her big hazel eyes widening. No, Tad did. They do have some good athletes in the Hawks, Mart said. He had been a little leaguer and could not quite make the pony league when Tad did. Tad can throw a curve as well as any pro. You're getting away from the subject again, Brian reminded Trixie. Oh, yes, thanks, Brian. Trixie was still breathless. Tad told me that the vandalism and thievery, someone stole $15 out of Mr. Stratton's desk last night, has driven the board members and Mr. Stratton nearly crazy. Tad told me that he thought they were out to get all clubs. You don't honestly believe that Mr. Stratton thinks the BWGs are breaking windows and looting desks and lockers, do you? Jem asked. He and Brian found it difficult to understand some of Trixie's thinking. No, I don't. Oh, you all have me so confused. I don't know what to think. You didn't just sit there and take what Mr. Stratton said, did you? Mart asked. Didn't you tell him about any of the good things the club has done for people? I didn't, Mart, because those things are what make the club a secret. Things like, well, like showing up Di's phony uncle and helping me get away from my cruel stepfather, Jim said, and the time you and Honey saved little Sally Darnell's life and catching Dapper Dick, the thief. Mart started counting on his finger. Well, what did you tell him, Trixie? I told him about how Jim is going to start a school for boys some day. Big, red-headed, freckled Jim looked embarrassed. When his great-uncle James Fane died and left half a million dollars to his orphaned nephew, Jim had put it all in a trust fund dedicated to a school for orphan boys that he planned to open when he finished college. Did you tell him Brian is going to be the resident physician at my school? Jim asked Trixie. Yes, I did. I told him, too, that Mart is going to take care of all the land around it when he finishes agricultural school. And that wasn't enough for him? Diana asked. No, it wasn't. He said that was all far in the future. He thought it was splendid for you to want to help others. Trixie touched the fingers of her hands together and rocked back on her heels in imitation of Mr. Stratton. Then he spoiled it all by saying that he and the board would have a hard time believing that our little club could do anything for millionaires like the Wheelers and the Lynches. I wish, how I wish we didn't have any more money than anyone else, Honey moaned. 
I wish the same thing, said Diana. He doesn't know how wonderful and kind and generous you and your families are, Trixie said. Anyway, money doesn't solve all the trouble people have. That's right, Honey agreed. Mr. Stratton should talk to Miss Trask. She'd tell him what a different person the BWGs have made of me. Miss Trask had been Honey's teacher when she was in a private school. Now she lived in the Wheeler home and supervised it. It was she who insisted that Honey's mother and father send her to a public school and outfit her in normal clothes that other kids wear, for play, and let her do the things other girls of her age were doing. Honey, who had been sickly most of her life, was now pink-cheeked and could by no stretch of the, imagined be, of the imagination be called sickly. He should know, too, Diana said, how the BWGs gave my parents a whole new set of values. We're lots more of a family since my mother and father discharged the butler and nurse for my twin brothers and twin sisters and half the maids. They thought when we first moved into the neighborhood that we'd just have to live like millionaires. I guess we couldn't do it because we've really been poor most of our lives. We're getting away from the subject again, Brian warned. What makes the situation so urgent now, Trixie? The school board is having a meeting tonight, and? And they may very well tell us that we can't ever be a club again. Our beautiful clubhouse that we've worked on so hard to rebuild, Diana sighed. She was the newest member. She had felt very lonely before the BWGs had asked her to join them. I used to look at you, Trixie, and your two older brothers, Brian and Mart, and Honey and her adopted brother Jim, and think that nothing would ever make me quite as happy as to be asked to be a D BWGs, and now, and now, said Trixie, once more the efficient co-president of the club, now we aren't going to go down without a fight. Maybe we should get the facts first instead of just trying to read Mr. Stratton's mind. Jim was being practical. Don't you think it would be a good idea if we were to talk to Mr. Stratton before that meeting this evening? That's what I've been trying to tell you ever since I came in, Trixie said. Mr. Stratton said he wanted all of us to come to his office at 3.30 this afternoon to talk about the club. What do you think that means? Diana asked. A chance for us to save the club? Trixie doesn't know that die, Brian said, and I know this, however. If Jim and I don't get back into the kitchen pretty soon, we'll be fired. That might make such a dent in the club's funds. It would die a natural death. Let's meet here, then at 3.25. We'll go to the principal's office, Trixie said solemnly. Jeepers, I forgot to eat my lunch. Not one of us ate anything. It's real trouble, sure enough, when you're so worried you don't eat. I never thought I'd live to see this happen. The six members of the BWGs were a sad-faced lot. The club had been organized in the first place because the members' families lived out in the country near the little town of Sleepyside. All of them had to take the bus to school. The town boys and girls had many after-school activities, which the bus travelers could not share. 
Trixie, her brothers Brian, Mart, and little six-year-old Bobby lived at Crabapple Farm on Glen Road, two miles from Sleepyside. On the western boundary of the farm, and just up the hill, Honey Wheeler, thirteen, lived with her parents and her adopted brother Jim, fifteen. Their home, manor house, was a huge estate with an acre of beautiful rolling lawn, a bird sanctuary, and wild game preserve, a private lake, riding horses, and many servants. Diana Lynch, thirteen, too, whose father had recently become a millionaire, lived on another large country estate. Her two twin brothers and twin sisters were much younger. In spite of the vast wealth of the others, the Beldons loved their white-frame farm home best. Though Mr. and Mrs. Belden worked hard, Mr. Belden had a position in the Sleepyside Bank. They never lacked time to make sure that their children's friends felt welcome. The club members, whose secret whistle imitated a Bob White's call, all wore red jackets which Honey had made for them with BWG's cross-stitched on the back. They had remodeled the old gatehouse on the Wheeler estate and now used it as a clubhouse. When they had first discovered it, it had been almost a ruin, set in a tangle of shrubs and vines. The BWGs had worked hard to remodel it. The boys had done most of the repair work on the roof and the interior. The girls had painted, made curtains, and helped clear away the vines and shrubs. It was a rule of the club that all funds used in the work of club had to be earned by the individual members. Honey's father and Diane's father could have financed the club for any amount, but the members didn't want this. Trixie contributed five dollars a week, which she earned helping her mother. Honey, who had learned to mend and sew at summer camp and private schools, earned the same amount as Trixie by doing mending. Diana was paid to help look after her little brothers and sisters. Mart did all the odd jobs he could find around the neighborhood. Jib and Brian, of course, had jobs working in the school cafeteria. As a group, they had patrolled the game preserves before Mr. Maypenny, the present gamekeeper, had been employed. For this, Mr. Wheeler had paid them the regular gamekeeper's wages. Recently, too, when they had been to a dude ranch in Arizona for two weeks at Christmas time, they had submitted for the regular work crew, who had left mysteriously. Diana's uncle, who owned the ranch, had paid them the same wages that he paid the regular employees. Working together, planning together, playing together, the six had grown into a close-knit clan. They believed sincerely in the worthwhile objectives of the Bob Whites of the Glen. Surely nothing could happen that would destroy the club now. Chapter 2 Trixie's Big Idea Don't you think I'd better leave by... Bob white jacket in my locker, Trixie asked when they all met to go to Mr. Stratton's office. Why do you want to do that? Mart asked. Because it was our jacket that seemed to bother him so much, Trixie said. On second thought, I don't think I will take mine off. We haven't done anything wrong. It would too closely approximate, Mart said, in the minds of the most erudite man in the diplomatic circle, an attempt to placate is tactic acknowledgment of guilt. 
Mark tried out all of his big words on the club members. Diana's puzzled violet blue eyes widened. She mixed up even one-syllable words. Now she stood gazing blankly at Mark. Never mind, Di, Brian said. He probably doesn't know what the words mean himself. He reads the editorials in the New York Times and learns them by heart. Secretly, Brian was proud of his younger brother, but couldn't help teasing. I don't see how any of you can laugh, Trixie said. Here we are now at the judgment seat. Six serious-faced young people went into the principal's office. Six chairs were drawn up facing Mr. Stratton's desk. Good afternoon, he said, smiling. Now let me see, you are Brian Belden, and you Mart Belden? They nodded their heads. And Jim Frayne? Yes, sir, Jim said. And Madeline Wheeler? Honey winced at the unfamiliar name. Trixie Belden? Is Trixie a nickname, he asked, his eyes twinkling. Not exactly, Trixie answered. She had been christened Beatrix, but people didn't have to know that. Her understanding mother had just called her Trixie when she enrolled for kindergarten. And Diana Lynch, Mr. Stratton straightened. His smile faded. Now who is to be the spokesman? I am, said Trixie. Jim was co-president of the Bob Whites, but Trixie usually did the talking because, well, because she was naturally chatty. Trixie, you told me about the Bob Whites Club and the reason for its being. I'm afraid it isn't enough. The board feels it must scrutinize closely the reason for any organization not sponsored directly by the school. It doesn't want secret societies to exist in sleepy side schools. When clubs, real gangs, can be the source of so much trouble, with vandalism occurring in sleepy side, we feel we must clamp down and whatever ruling we make about secret clubs will affect the good ones as well as the bad. But the Bob Whites of the Glen isn't a secret club, Jim said, except when we try to do good and we don't shout it to the world. That is to be commended, Mr. Stratton agreed. The real fault seems to be that the work is carried on in too restricted a field. We can only do so much, Brian said. And we do help people outside our own members. I can't talk about it, but we do. I think the members of the school board might consider a state or a national project, Mr. Stratton said. Creeps! We aren't the American Red Cross, Mart said in a lowered voice. I beg your pardon, Mr. Stratton said. I didn't hear you. I meant, do you think we should be like the Red Cross? Mart by now was ashamed and repeated. Nonsense, Mr. Stratton said. Of course, everyone helps the Red Cross. I'm afraid you don't grasp what I mean. I can say, though, that it is food for serious thought. The board feels very strongly that you must show a valid reason to continue the existence. Or, well, they didn't actually say so, but they meant that you will have to disband. We couldn't, Trixie almost shouted. No, we couldn't. Diana echoed. Why, Mr. Stratton, we'd do anything else in the world except give up the Bob Whites. Jim and Brian and Mart exchanged glances. Jim spoke for the trio. I'm sorry, sir, but that is something we couldn't do. We think our club has a good purpose, and we can't see why anyone should try to make us disband. 
We just couldn't break up our club. Is there anything we can do, Mr. Stratton? Trixie begged. I don't know, Mr. Stratton said sadly. I'll try to explain to the board that the Bob Whites are not a secret society in the true sense of the word, at least. Not the kind they deplore. If only you could have some worthwhile project underway. It was apparent that Mr. Stratton was not the noisy troublemaker Mart had labeled him. He really was their friend. I wish we felt free to tell you some of the things the BWGs have done, said Honey. Why, just this Christmas we earned four hundred dollars out of a dude ranch and— Honey, Jem warned. Honey covered her mouth with her hand. She had been so carried away that she had almost told that they had given the money to the little Navajo hotel maid at the ranch to help pay for her father's operation. While Honey had been talking, Trixie had wriggled around in her chair, impatiently waiting to have the floor. Now she jumped up. I have a wonderful idea, she said. Mr. Stratton, could we please have just a fifteen minute for a small conference? Mr. Stratton looked at his watch. Mercy, yes, he said. I had an appointment at 4.15, and it's nearly 4.30 now. Just stay right here and talk things over. I'll be back in five. Trixie, Honey, Diana, Brian, Jim, and Mart stood till he left the room. Then they pulled their chairs closely around Trixie. Let's have it, Master Brain, said Mart. I don't see much ahead for the Bob Whites, but sabotage by the school board. Don't say that, Mart, Diana cried, and she stamped her foot. I know Trixie will think of something to get out of this trouble. She can get into it, too, said Mart. Out of trouble, too, Jim said. I'll never forget who saved me from the fire when my great-uncle's mansion burned. You'd have been a gone goose if she hadn't thought of a way out of when Di's phony uncle tried to kidnap both of you, Brian m reminded Mart. That's right, Mart said shamefacedly. She saved Bobby, too, when the copperhead snake bit him. Please, Trixie begged. We could go on telling of things Trixie had done for us, Honey said, even if she did get us into some bad situations, too. Right now, though, we have only a few minutes to think of something to keep the Bob Whites from going out of existence. All right, Trixie, what's your idea? How about something to help the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund? Trixie asked. Then she added dramatically, it covers the whole world. Heavens, they already know about the fund itself because they've been donating to it for a long time, Trixie said. For your information, though, I can tell you that in Nigeria, for instance, the fund has helped build dry milk factories so that milk could be manufactured in the flat dairy land and then transported burrow back over the mountains for children who have never even had a cup of milk in their lives. Trixie Belden, do you really mean they've never had a drop of milk before? Honey was so tender-hearted, her eyes filled with tears at the very thought. That's what I mean. In a lot of other non-dairy countries, too, such as Thailand, technicians sent out by United Nations have been teaching people how to make milk from soybeans. 
First they taught them to grow, cultivate, and harvest soybeans. Food isn't all either, said Brian. Because he was going to be a doctor, he was aware of the health needs of the people in far-off countries. Those nurses and doctors train have helped people get rid of malaria, trachoma, tuberculosis, typhoid, diphtheria, and almost every crippling disease that has attacked undernourished children. That truly makes the little things we've been doing to help one another look pretty small, Diana said. What can we do to raise money? A bake sale, Honey said. The boys threw up their hands and hooted. You could teach skiing, Diana told them. Heck, everyone around here knows how to ski, said Mart. I wouldn't have any pupils. Well, you think of something then, Smarty, Trixie said. Maybe we could do an amateur play, we'd give, Honey said. We have them free all the time at school, said Brian. No, it has to be something quite different, and something we can all help with. If it isn't, I don't think Mr. Stratton will consider it. Anything I can think of would take forever to raise any money, said Diana, like babysitting and reading to sick people and Trixie Belden. You've thought of something. I have, Trixie said exultantly. I've exactly the right thing, an antique show. A what? Mart asked. An antique show, Trixie repeated. How could we have an antique show? Mart asked. Well, you know how it is. Here in the east, Trixie said, her words falling over one another in her eagerness to explain. Everyone is interested in antiques. Yeah, and everyone has them, Mart said woefully, thinking of the four-poster bed in his room and at home comparing it with the neat bunk beds he had seen pictures of in magazines. Nobody ever has enough antiques, Trixie said. Anyhow, we'd exhibit some of the rare ones owned by people in the country around here so other people could see them. We could charge admission, Diana said breathlessly. Of course, Trixie said. The big thing, though, would be to gather up old broken furniture from all around, repair it, finish it, and sell it. The boys could do that. And what, may I ask, would you be doing on in the meantime, Mart asked. I'd make some rag dolls to sell, Honey answered, instead of Trixie, and some aprons. I don't know what I could do, but it sounds perfectly super, Trixie, Diana said. You and I can take our sleds and gather up lots of small things, chairs, stools, and little tables, Trixie said. We can call on people to ask them to let us use their antiques, too. I think we could get Tom, your chauffeur, to pick up the bigger ones, couldn't we, honey? I'm sure he'll help, honey said. You and I can help send the old furniture, too, Mart said. Taking the old finish off is the worst part. We'd be glad to, Trixie said, so in love with the project she would agree to do anything. We can all put it over, Brian said, but it's going to mean a lot of hard work because each of us has other chores at home. An extra schoolwork to make up for being away in Arizona, Trixie moaned. It isn't impossible, though. Let's shake hands on it, Bob Whites. They all shook hands solemnly. For goodness sake, keep your fingers crossed, Trixie went on. I think I hear Mr. Stratton coming down the hall. He just has to let us do it. Just think. 
We'd be doing something to help all those children and maybe save the Bob Whites, too.